The Tao that can be trodden is not the enduring and unchanging Tao. The name that can be named is not the enduring and unchanging name. Conceived of as, having no name, it is the originator of heaven and earth. Conceived of as having a name, it is the mother of all things. Always without desire we must be found, if its deep mystery we would sound. But if desire always within us be, its outer fringe is all that we shall see. Under these two aspects it is really the same, but as development takes place it receives the different names. Together we call them the mystery. Where the mystery is the deepest is the gate of all that is subtle and wonderful. All in the world know the beauty of the beautiful, and in doing this they have the idea of what ugliness is. They all know the skill of the skillful, and in doing this they have the idea of what the want of skill is. So it is that existence and non-existence give birth the one to the idea of the other. That difficulty and ease produce the one, the idea of the other. That length and shortness fashion out the one, the figure of the other. That the ideas of height and lowness arise from the contrast of the one with the other. That the musical notes and tones become harmonious through the relation of one with another and that being before and behind give the idea of one following another. Therefore the sage manages affairs without doing anything, and conveys his instructions without the use of speech. All things spring up, and there is not one which declines to show itself. They grow, and there is no claim made for their ownership. They go through their processes, and there is no expectation of a reward for the results. The work is accomplished and there is no resting in it as an achievement. The work is done, but how no one can see. Tis this that makes the power not cease to be. Not to value and employ men of superior ability is the way to keep the people from rivalry among themselves, not to prize articles which are difficult to procure is the way to keep them from becoming thieves. Not to show them what is likely to excite their desires is the way to keep their minds from disorder. Therefore the sage, in the exercise of his government, empties their minds, fills their bellies, weakens their wills, and strengthens their bones. He constantly tries to keep them without knowledge and without desire and where there are those who have knowledge, to keep them from presuming to act on it. When there is this abstinence from action, good order is universal. The Tao is like the emptiness of a vessel, and in our employment of it we must be on our guard against all fullness. How deep and unfathomable it is, as if it were the honored ancestor of all things. We should blunt our sharp points and unravel the complications of things. We should attemper our brightness and bring ourselves into agreement with the obscurity of others. How pure and still the Tao is, as if it would ever so continue. I do not know whose son it is. It might appear to have been before God.
Heaven and earth do not act from the impulse of any wish to be benevolent. They deal with all things as the dogs of grass are dealt with. The sages do not act from any wish to be benevolent. They deal with the people as the dogs of grass are dealt with. May not the space between heaven and earth be compared to a bellows. Tis emptied, yet it loses not its power. Tis moved again and sends forth air the more. Much speech to swift exhaustion lead we see, your inner being guard and keep it free. The valley spirit dies not, I the same, the female mystery thus do we name. Its gate, from which at first they issued forth, is called the root from which grew heaven and earth. Long and unbroken does its power remain, used gently and without the touch of pain. Heaven is long enduring and earth continues long. The reason why heaven and earth are able to endure and continue thus long is because they do not live of or for themselves. This is how they are able to continue and endure. Therefore the sage puts his own person last, and yet it is found in the foremost place. He treats his person as if it were foreign to him, and yet that person is preserved. Is it not because he has no personal and private ends, that therefore such ends are realized? The highest excellence is like that of water. The excellence of water appears in its benefiting all things, and in its occupying without striving to the contrary, the low place which all men dislike. Hence, its way is near to that of the Tao. The excellence of a residence is in the suitability of the place, that of the mind is in abysmal stillness, that of associations is in their being with the virtuous, that of government is in its securing good order. That of the conduct of affairs is in its ability, and that of the initiation of any movement is in its timeliness. And when, one with the highest excellence, does not wrangle about his low position, no one finds fault with him. It is better to leave a vessel unfilled than to attempt to carry it when it is full. If you keep feeling a point that has been sharpened, the point cannot long preserve its sharpness. When gold and jade fill the hall, their possessor cannot keep them safe. When wealth and honors lead to arrogancy, this brings its evil on itself. When the work is done and one's name is becoming distinguished, to withdraw into obscurity is the way of heaven. When the intelligent and animal souls are held together in one embrace, they can be kept from separating. When one gives undivided attention to the vital breath and brings it to the utmost degree of pliancy, he can become as a tender babe. When he has cleansed away the most mysterious sights of his imagination, he can become without a flaw. In loving the people and ruling the state, cannot he proceed without any purpose of action? In the opening and shutting of his gates of heaven, cannot he do so as a female bird? 
while his intelligence reaches in every direction, cannot he appear to be without knowledge? The Tao produces all things and nourishes them. It produces them and does not claim them as its own. It does all and yet does not boast of it. It presides over all and yet does not control them. This is what is called the mysterious quality of the Tao. The thirty spokes unite in the one nave, but it is on the empty space for the axle, that the use of the wheel depends. Clay is fashioned into vessels, but it is on their empty hollowness that their use depends. The door and windows are cut out from the walls to form an apartment, but it is on the empty space within that its use depends. Therefore, what has a positive existence serves for profitable adaptation, and what has not that for actual usefulness. Colors five hues from the eyes their sight will take. Music's five notes the ears as deaf can make. The flavors five deprive the mouth of taste. The chariot course and the wild hunting waste make mad the mind. And objects rare and strange, sought for men's conduct will to evil change. Therefore the sage seeks to satisfy the craving of the belly, and not the insatiable longing of the eyes. He puts from him the latter, and prefers to seek the former. Favor and disgrace would seem equally to be feared. Honor and great calamity to be regarded as personal conditions of the same kind. What is meant by speaking thus of favor and disgrace? Disgrace is being in a low position after the enjoyment of favor. The getting that favor leads to the apprehension of losing it. And the losing it leads to the fear of still greater calamity. This is what is meant by saying that favor and disgrace would seem equally to be feared. And what is meant by saying that honor and great calamity are to be similarly regarded as personal conditions. What makes me liable to great calamity is my having the body, which I call myself. If I had not the body, what great calamity could come to me? Therefore, he who would administer the kingdom, honoring it as he honors his own person, may be employed to govern it and he who would administer it with the love which he bears to his own person may be entrusted with it. We look at it, and we do not see it, and we name it the equable. We listen to it, and we do not hear it, and we name it the inaudible. We try to grasp it, and do not get hold of it, and we name it the subtle. With these three qualities it cannot be made the subject of description, and hence we blend them together and obtain the one. Its upper part is not bright, and its lower part is not obscure. Ceaseless in its action, it yet cannot be named, and then it again returns and becomes nothing. This is called the form of the formless and the semblance of the invisible. This is called the fleeting and indeterminable. We meet it and do not see its front, we follow it and do not see its back. When we can lay hold of the Tao of old to direct the things of the present day, and are able to know it as it was of old in the beginning, this is called unwinding the clue of Tao.
the skillful masters of the Tao, in old times, with a subtle and exquisite penetration, comprehended its mysteries, and were deep, also, so as to elude men's knowledge. As they were thus beyond men's knowledge, I will make an effort to describe of what sort they appeared to be. Shrinking looked they like those who wade through a stream in winter, irresolute like those who are afraid of all around them, grave like a guest, in awe of his host, evanescent like ice that is melting away, unpretentious like wood that has not been fashioned into anything, vacant like a valley, and dull like muddy water. Who can make the muddy water clear? Let it be still, and it will gradually become clear. Who can secure the condition of rest? Let movement go on and the condition of rest will gradually arise. They who preserve this method of the Tao do not wish to be full of themselves. It is through their not being full of themselves that they can afford to seem worn and not appear new and complete. The state of vacancy should be brought to the utmost degree, and that of stillness guarded with unwearying vigor. All things alike go through their processes of activity, and then we see them return to their original state. When things in the vegetable world have displayed their luxuriant growth, we see each of them return to its root. This returning to their root is what we call the state of stillness and that stillness may be called a reporting that they have fulfilled their appointed end. The report of that fulfillment is the regular unchanging rule. To know that unchanging rule is to be intelligent, not to know it leads to wild movements and evil issues. The knowledge of that unchanging rule produces a grand capacity and forbearance, and that capacity and forbearance lead to a community of feeling with all things. From this community of feeling comes a kingliness of character, and he who is king-like goes on to be heaven-like. In that likeness to heaven he possesses the Tao. Possessed of the Tao, he endures long, and to the end of his bodily life is exempt from all danger of decay. In the highest antiquity the people did not know that there were their rulers. In the next age they loved them and praised them. In the next they feared them. In the next they despised them. Thus it was that when faith in the Tao was deficient in the rulers, a want of faith in them ensued, in the people. How irresolute did those earliest rulers appear, showing by their reticence the importance which they set upon their words. Their work was done and their undertakings were successful, while the people all said, we are as we are of ourselves. When the great Tao, way or method, ceased to be observed, benevolence and righteousness came into vogue. Then appeared wisdom and shrewdness, and there ensued great hypocrisy. When harmony no longer prevailed throughout the six kinships, filial sons found their manifestation. When the states and clans fell into disorder, loyal ministers appeared. <laughs>